everybody. The Lord is risen. Jesus is alive. You believe he's alive? All right, let me hear from you. Jesus is? All right, Jesus is? Okay, good. You got that. Class dismissed. Hey, before we get going, we have a children's ministry today where uh, your older kids, your elementary age kids, we have a special resurrection message. My wife is, uh, is heading that up here today. We also have it for the younger kids. But you're also welcome to keep your kids here with you. Um, and even if you're an adult and still act like a kid, you can still stay here, right? We're, we're, we're fully accepting of all. So this time, we'll go ahead and let the elementary age, uh, you can go ahead and now be dismissed to the kids club. My wife has a special uh, mess, message for you back there. I love Resurrection Sunday. What about you? I love it. And and I want to tell you the honest truth is, um, for me personally, this Sunday is special, but here's my goal. Here's here's what I'm trying to do inside of the soul, my own soul. I actually want to view every Sunday the same. And here's why. Notice, when does the church meet? On the first day of the week, right? We don't meet on Saturday. What day do we meet on? Why do we do that? Because the resurrection, right? Actually, this is what I love about gathering with our church and when all of God's people and some of you from out of town or you have a church you're a part of is that is a sacred time, and I so look forward to it. It's once again a time to talk about the resurrection, to talk what it does. I I think I've noticed this. Sometimes I think we forget about some of the benefits of the resurrection. One of them, I, I can tell you in all honest truth, it's the ability to gather with God's people on the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection, renew the gospel message. And, I'm, and, and I don't have the luxury of missing that. For some reason, people expect me to be here. I mean, it, it gets really awkward if I don't show up. But I get scared for people who don't have that rhythm. I don't know anything but that rhythm because honestly, I kind of have to be around it, right? But I'm scared for people who don't have that rhythm. But... I will tell you this, Jesus is what? Alive. alive. Now, many of you may know this, I love, I love all sorts of music. I listen to sermons more than I listen to music, but there is one uh, artist that I've listened to quite a bit, and is a guy by the name of Shaylin, and he has a great song called Jesus Is. Guess what the next word? It was really interesting in this song, he starts off, and won't we love this as Memphians, he starts off the song by saying, Elvis is dead. Not too big here, right? Picasso is dead. Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin are dead. Marilyn Monroe is dead. However, Brando is dead. James Brown is dead. Princess Di and John Lennon are dead. Biggie, Biggie and Pac are dead. However, Plato is dead. Socrates is dead. Aristotle, Immanuel Kant are dead. Nietzsche and Darwin are dead. However, Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Gandhi and Haile Selassie are dead. Elijah Muhammad is dead. However, Nero is dead. Constantine is dead. Genghis the Khan and Attila the Hun are dead. Alexander the Great is dead. However, Napoleon is dead. Lotzu is dead. Henry VIII and Saddam Hussein are dead. However, Pharaoh is dead. Cyrus is dead. Darius and Sennacherib are dead. Nebuchadnezzar is dead. However, 
Caesar is dead. Herod is dead. Ananias, Caiaphas, and Judas are dead. Pontius Pilate is dead. However, here's what I love about the resurrection. Just a reminder, all these people are dead. We're the only religion on the planet that has a living Savior. There, there's no mystery to the resurrection for most of us in here in this room. I know most of you. I know that you know the orthodoxy of the resurrection. And here's the interesting thing about Jesus' resurrection, right? Is this idea that, yes, he died and he rose, he rose again, never to die again. Some people say, what's the difference between Jesus' resurrection and the resurrection of Lazarus? Well, although Lazarus was resurrected, Lazarus, once again, someday, what would he do? He would die, but Jesus resurrected never to die again. And the promise is that you and I will have that same resurrection. It's no mistaking, we will have a resurrected body. There will be a day when all this is over. These are some of the obvious things about the resurrection. Now I'm 44 years old. I'm getting older. People say I can't say that, but I feel it coming. I feel it on my body so much. I feel it in my feet. Anybody, I mean, this is one thing I've noticed with getting older. It, I know, you can't say that yet, you're in mid-40s, but I just, I, I feel it coming. Do you, do you ever notice that the more you age, the, the, your feet hurt more and more? Is anybody like this, where you start to kind of think, however many steps I take today may limit what I do tomorrow, right? I mean, you start thinking through the implications of those things. So the other day on Friday, um, I, I took the day off, and... We decided to go to uh, Urban Air right here in, you know, Trampoline Park. And I'm thinking like, okay, I know, I'm 100 pounds overweight and I've got plantar fasciitis, but, you know, I'm going to get out there and play with my kids and jump on these trampolines, right, and just have a good time. And let me tell you, I couldn't even, I couldn't even put, I grabbed crutches to just get around yesterday morning, just bearing the weight on and on of this plantar fasciitis. But it reminded me of something. In the midst, every time, every time I tried to take a step, it reminded me there will be a day when I can take as many steps and can jump as much as I want, and I will never hurt again. The resurrection will give me that. I will have a resurrected body someday. The resurrection gives me that. Not only does the resurrection give me that, but the resurrection gives me forgiveness of my sins. I asked this question this week to many people. What if Jesus, when he died on the cross, never resurrected? What if he, when he died, he said it is finished, when he was on the cross, he suffered the wrath of God, right? Well, wouldn't that be enough? And when he died, couldn't he just have stayed dead? What does it matter? Because didn't he absorb the wrath of God on the cross? Yes, he did. Yes and amen. But what, why is it so important that he rose from the dead? And I'll tell you, here's some of the reasons. One, it shows us the unmistakable evidence that God did accept the sacrifice, right? God is not a liar, neither is Jesus a liar. And how do we know that God accepted that sacrifice? Our receipt for that is the resurrection. When Jesus said, it is finished, how can we know that that wasn't a lie? Three days later, he arose from the dead, right? And not only that, but that resurrection is the promise of the resurrection that we will get someday. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they fell, they fell spiritually, they fell physically. They would die physically, they would die spiritually. Jesus on the cross takes care of the spiritual element. Jesus in the resurrection takes care of the physical element. He walks around for 40 days showing unmistakable proof, reveals himself to unmistakable witnesses so that you and I would have the receipt would have the confidence that God accepted the sacrifice and God was pleased with the sacrifice and that this too shall pass in our life, that someday we are bound for glory. And that's what we've got to have in our eye sockets. Now, 
I, I believe, I believe that is almost obvious. I believe it's obvious to most of us, right? I really do. I, I know most of you. I think this is obvious. Like, why do we love the resurrection so much? Because we can know that our sins are forgiven and that when this life is over, we will get renewed, re- reformed, transformed in his likeness kind of bodies. We will live with the Lord forever. He, we are, he is our God. We are his people. And so we shall ever be with him. That's our ultimate hope. And it's kind of an obvious thing, I think, a lot of times. Now, I'm just going to take a pause. If that's not obvious to you, friend, let me tell you, at age 16, I had no idea what would happen to me if I was to die. And at age 16, God revealed to me through his word, reading the book of Romans, that I deserve the justice and judgment of God. My sins deserve God's wrath. And by faith, I came to believe in the message that the Bible told me that Jesus was my sin sacrifice. He was my substitute. He offered up, he took on my sinful life on his account. Then he offered up his righteous life and God was satisfied with it. And by faith, I trusted in that, that alone for salvation. Up until that point in life at 16, I thought you were saved by having more good than bad. That if you had more good than bad, the scales in eternity would flip towards your cause and you would be okay. But I came to understand that there's no amount of good that I could actually do to earn God's righteousness. There's nothing I could do. I needed someone who could be righteous in my place. And at 16, I trusted Christ as Savior. I'm, now, if, if that's not happened for you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Another day? You know, the greatest lie that Satan would ever want to tell you and that you would ever tell yourself is maybe another day. That's the worst thing. In fact, God put you here this morning by his sovereign decree to bow the knee and trust him as Savior, right? You can trust him right now. You can trust him and take communion with us later. It's for God's people. Now, these are sometimes the obvious things about the resurrection. But sometimes there are some things that aren't as obvious. And let me illustrate it this way. Um, some of us in here are really good about keeping up with the benefits of life. I, on the other hand, not really good at it. And, and let me illustrate it this way. You know almost everything you have in life now, everybody wants you to be a member. Or when you're a member of something, you're accruing these benefits. And sometimes you're not even aware of it. Did you know, I don't even know this, um, and I have to be reminded of this. Do you know that paying your cell phone bill many times, that that cell phone company is giving you some kind of benefits on the side for every time you pay a bill? Did you know that? I mean, it was years before I discovered with Verizon, that's who we have is Verizon. Um, they're not as good as they promise they are, by the way. <laughs> but they charge just as much as you think they would, right? I, 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 I had accrued all these benefits. And honestly, I, I didn't know about it. No, it wasn't that they didn't send me a message or an email or everything like that. But let's be honest. Don't we get too many emails, Right? And it wasn't until I was talking to a representative one day that they said, hey, we've noticed you haven't used your benefits. Do you know about these? And I said, no. He said, well, we've sent emails. Do you read your emails on this? Well, no. I just pay my bill. (laughs) And I've discovered there are so many other benefits that you have out there. Like when you go to Kroger, you put in this number, right? And you have a Kroger number and you put it in. And I put it in for years and years until someone had said to me one day, "I, I prefer going to Kroger because I get all these points and benefits that give me cheaper gas when I go to the gas tank. Does everybody know what I'm talking about, right? I had no idea that those things were happening. I just thought Kroger was keeping a track on me and wanted to send me coupons or something. I had no idea these benefits behind the scenes were accruing until someone told me. Even to this day, I have to be reminded of my benefits. So 
Uh, Walgreens, right? If you go to Walgreens, you check out. They're always asking for a number. I just want to tell you, honestly, I don't even like giving my number. I don't like giving any information. Not that I have anything to hide. I'm just, I'm just tired of getting all this extra communication from people, right? Is, is, can I get an amen or oh me on this? Like, I just hate it. <laughs> you know, someone the other day said, how much, how much uh, do you or your family go to Chick-fil-A? I'm like, I don't know. Probably, probably like any, you know, good, red-blooded, loving Christian, at least a good three or four times a week, probably, sure. <laughs> and someone said to me, I don't know, we probably don't go that much, or maybe more, who knows? <laughs> it's the default. But I remember someone saying, hey, do you have the Chick-fil-A app? I was like, no, I don't have Chick-fil-A app. And they said, you know, every time you go, you accrue benefits. Like, you can get free food. I'm like, yeah, but, man, I have to download an app. And then I have to pay attention to that app. And the, uh, I mean, it's just like I don't want to do it. Then someone, then someone reminds me and says, hey, there's some benefits to that. You might want to consider it. So when it comes to the resurrection, here's what I've discovered. There are some people who know the obvious benefits, and if you've been around the church long enough, or if, or if this is maybe the one, one, you know, twice a year you go to church, there's the benefits of, of the resurrection that, that for the vast majority, I'm confident people in this room know I will, that my sins can be forgiven and that Jesus rose from the dead knowing that my sins are forgiven, but then also, yes, I will have a resurrected, glorified body someday to be with the Lord forever, and amen. Most of us, that's an obvious benefit. But also, I'd like to talk today about some of the not-so-obvious benefits, the, the, the Verizon points, the Walgreens points, the Kroger points. Did you even know your credit card is giving you points? Did you know this? You know, I'm sure there's something behind it. They, no one likes giving you free stuff. I think the credit card companies are just thinking that you'll probably just never pay the bill or won't pay it off and just earn them enough interest where they can give you your extra couple of points to buy an airline ticket. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm sure most people, could, the free airline ticket you got from your miles, you know, you probably paid for that several times over in interest, right? Uh, amen or oh me? <laughs> so I'd say this. There are all these benefits. In my life, I've noticed, I often am not concerned about these benefits until I'm reminded of the benefits. And here's what I love about Resurrection Sunday, and to be honest with you, what I love about every Sunday, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. That's why it's a priority in our life. Uh, not that I don't want to be in ministry, but I would tell you that I often wonder if I wasn't in ministry, would I think Resurrection Sunday every week was an important staple? And I sure hope so. And I'll tell you why. Because I believe that there are so many benefits to the resurrection that we just aren't reviewing and rehearsing. We, it's there, but we're, we just don't know it. Now, we know the big stuff. But you know that, that the resurrection gives us more than just heaven. More than just a resurrection body. More than just God someday the resurrection gives us God right now. Right now. Right now. He's a living God, the scriptures say. Living. That means the resurrection has implications now for our life. It's amazing. So what we're going to talk about today about the benefits of the resurrection. Oh, there are some obvious benefits we know about. You can be declared righteous through what Jesus has done. Some obvious benefits. We can now have eternal hope. Some obvious benefits that, honestly, I think most of you know that 
the Holy Spirit comes to live in you as a result of accepting by faith the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. At age 16, when I became a follower of Jesus, I, I now got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. But sometimes I think people aren't understanding that we have these other benefits that we need to be reminded of. That maybe they don't look as powerful, as awesome as a glorified body in glory, but they're nonetheless very special and important even right now. Now do this. Would you take your Bible? Let me talk to you about the not-so-obvious benefits at times of the resurrection. The not-so-obvious benefits. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to read some scripture today. Are you okay with reading scripture on Lord's Day? I got a lot of scripture to read, and, and I got a lot of scripture to read because I just want to show you there is so much more benefit to resurrection than what we sometimes think. We've accrued more benefits on that card than what we really know. Romans chapter 8 and verse, we'll start over here in verse 3. For what the law could not do, this is Romans 8, 3. I'm, I'm going to read a little bit slower so you can see it. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh... God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Nothing new so far for the most of us. Look at verse 4. So that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I want you to notice something. The resurrection of Jesus, it actually does something in our life. It, it causes us to not live after the flesh, but after the spirit. It means that we can, now, we can now put to death the desires of the flesh. Verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who according to the Spirit set their, uh, uh, according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God, it does not subject itself to the law of God. It is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh are not able to please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong in him. Hang with me. Go to verse 10. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness... But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus, do y'all see resurrection here? From the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit dwells with you. Then verse 12, so then brothers, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the practices of the body, you will live. For as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I want you to notice, the resurrection does more. It gives you heaven. It gives you Jesus. It gives you the Holy Spirit. And it gives you the Holy Spirit for the unique purpose and intent of not only being a down payment, but also to put away the practices of the flesh, to put away the sin that so easily wants to entangle us, to put away the desires. Here's the interesting thing. The resurrection, the, the benefits behind the scenes that we've got to remind ourselves, we actually can say no to sin and yes to God because of the resurrection. And I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you and I'm telling you. I don't know if most people are getting this anymore. I don't know if we're getting it. How do I know this? Well, we'll say statements like, I can never forgive that person. Really? What about the benefits of the resurrection? It's giving you God someday, but it's actually giving you God right now. The Holy Spirit living inside you, transforming. We'll say things like, I, th- I feel like this sin has more power than, than the Lord. I feel like Satan has more power in my life. And I would go, really? I think we're forgetting the benefit of the resurrection. It's, it's not only for eternity, but it's also right now. There's a transformation. We, can, we are dead to sin and alive to God. Sin reigning in our life is a toothless monster. A monster may look fearful, but a monster without its teeth and claws is not much of a monster at all. Sometimes we got to remind ourselves that we're actually free. We're not under the power of sin anymore. Oh, don't get me wrong. Sin still is around, still lurking, still wants its walking room, still wants its spending cash. It's kind, of, it's kind of like being on a boat where there's a captain who used to rule over you. There's no longer the sin captain that rules over us. A lot of times we're just simply obeying a captain that has no authority over us. We're hearing an old voice that's not the true voice anymore. We see here, he says... If you, he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus in verse 11 from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Then he says, you are not obligated to live according to the flesh, live according to the spirit, put to death the practices of the body. Here's one of the things I learned when I came to Christ is that Jesus being my savior is more than a ticket out of hell into heaven. Oh, it's that. But it's getting God right now. And, and something changed in me. When I came to Christ, it's like all of a sudden, I had this new perspective that God was giving me. And sin no longer was enjoyable like it was before. And when I got into it, it didn't satisfy like it did before. By the way, some people say, what are the, some of the things that you would warn someone if they wanted to get saved? But they, you know, I would say, listen, if you love your sin, you will not like being saved. You will not like it. So if you love your sin, stay away from Jesus because it'll never be the same. It'll never taste the same. One of the things I love about the resurrection is it's given us God someday in glory, but it's given us God right now and given us a life. Just to understand, this life that no longer is bound by the power of sin anymore, that's a good thing. You ever notice sin never delivers the promises that it really tells you is going to deliver? You ever notice that it never quite gives the payoff? The, the payoff that we think it's going to give once we go through the process actually never gives us what we truly want. Go over to Romans chapter 6. You'll see this again. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 through 14. I want to read for you more scripture. Are we okay with reading scripture? As a result of the resurrection, look at, another, look at the benefits here. That we can put to death the desires of the flesh. Now that doesn't mean that we still won't struggle. It doesn't mean that the old man still won't want his real estate back. But it does mean the most normal thing for us to do is to say no to sin and yes to God. That's the most normal thing. People ask me and go, well, what is, who is a, what's a dysfunctional person? Well, a dysfunctional person is a person that's not acting in accord with the new nature that they have. So... We all act dysfunctional. There was only one functional person ever, and that was Jesus. What is normal? Normal is conformity to the image of God. Normal is to glorify God. Normal is to be an image bearer living underneath a banner of what the one true God has said, live life. Now look in verse 3. He says this in Romans 6. 
Are you not know that all of us who have been baptized unto Jesus were baptized unto his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism unto death, so that as Christ was, what does it say? Raised, right? From the dead, through the glory of the Father, so too we might in heaven someday enjoy this only? No. I mean, that's there. This implication of Scripture, that's there. But it says so that we might do what? Walk newness of life. Sometimes we forget these benefits that come with the resurrection of Christ when he is our Lord and King. Verse 4, this is the result of the Holy Spirit in you. Jesus said, it's better that I go away because if I go away, I will send the Spirit. It will show you righteousness. It will convict you of sin. It will walk with you. It will help you pray. It will be, be God within you, helping you lead you. It will help to transform you from the inside all the way to the outside. It will help you to take off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. It will help you conform to what you belong and will be like in heaven someday. Um, sometimes I wonder if some of us Christians are really going to enjoy heaven to the full capacity that we should be enjoying heaven. If we love sin, heaven won't be near as sweet for that when that day comes. Verse 5. For if we have become united with him, in verse 5, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, verse 6, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away so that we would no longer be what to sin? We're not slaves to sin anymore. You know one of the things you hear about when emancipation happened in America is that there were several years where, where there were slaves who still obeyed the master. And it's only because they just didn't know that they were actually free. I think sometimes that's where we are. We're, we're still acting like we're not free. We're still listening to the slave master's old jargon. And he's got no power over us. Verse 7. For he who has died has been justified from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. I just want to take a side note. The Bible seems to go back and forth when it talks about the resurrection, about the outward benefits for glory and the inward benefits right now, right? And you can't have one without the other. Right? Our, our, we're interconnected, our inner and outer. Our inner man and our outer. They're interconnected for all eternity. Keep going, verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead is never to die again. Verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, verse 11. Consider yourselves to be what? Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, the resurrection, we get this. The, we'll have resurrected bodies. Sin no longer has power over us. Okay? We, we, so we see some of this. Now he, he doesn't stop there. Go to verse 12. He starts a new paragraph. Therefore, do not let sin reign. Do not. That's a pretty powerful statement. I think we forget this benefit of the resurrection. I think we forget it. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you should obey its lusts. That word lust is talking about desire, just so we all know. We don't sin by accident on the outside. We sin because we desire it already where? On the inside. We even, the resurrection even goes that far. How far does the resurrection go? It's all encompassing. It's not just an outer thing. It's an inward thing. It says don't obey its lusts, verse 13. And do not go on presenting your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those 
who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. A benefit. I think we forget. I think there's so many marriages that have forgot the benefit of the resurrection. Oh, man, it's so easy. Isn't it so easy to slide and to backslide and to take your family for granted, to take your spouse for granted? Isn't it easy to take relationships for granted? Isn't it easier to ghost people than actually deal with the issue and try to work through reconciliation? Isn't it easier to blame shift and tell, think that people are the problem and not own up to our own sin? The resurrection gives us this ability that no one else on the planet has. Everybody else on the planet would blame shift sin. We actually can take responsibility and know there's one that can actually do something about it. Now, the last passage I'll have you turn to a lot, and we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. Go to Colossians chapter 3. The benefits of the resurrection. Let us not forget the benefits. Now, I want you to, as you go to Colossians 3, at the end of Romans 6, just in case we didn't notice it, it started to talk about that you, you put off that old man by also putting on the new man. And so pe- some people say, how does a person change? Do you just stop sinning? It doesn't really work that way. Have, have any of you just tried to just stop sinning alone? Like, I'm just going to stop sinning. I'm just, you know, not going to pay my bills, not going to stop sinning, right? Can, you know, it, just saying I'm not going to sin is about as easy as just not paying a bill, all right? But I'll tell you what we've got to do. We stop sinning by renewing our mind and by putting on Christ, right? There's a process. We call it put off, put on, renewed in the spirit of our mind. Renewed by the spirit and word. So God's process for change because the resurrection is I put off the unrighteous thoughts and desires because Jesus is alive. I renew my mind with his word and spirit and the gospel community a lot, (laughs) And then I put on, I'll have the motivation to put on the righteous thoughts and desires. So a lot of people, this is where we stop. We go, but Nick, you're talking about us having, you know, <laughs> this, like sin doesn't have mastery over us. Nick, I don't think that's true because I love Jesus and I feel like sin has a lot of mastery over me. I would go, well, if it does, then maybe there's a process that hasn't been completed. That process is, because the resurrection is, we not only put off the grave clothes, we put on the grace clothes as we are being renewed and transformed by the word and spirit in the gospel community. I'll show this to you. Look in Colossians chapter 3. How long has it been since you've read a whole chapter of the Bible? Today may be our day, right? How, many, how long has it been since you've read two chapters of the Bible? Are we allowed to read two chapters in the Bible? Is that even allowable? Listen, if you're a normal part of our church, I don't know if, I mean, usually just getting through one chapter might take us six weeks, right? This will be a miracle. I want to show a couple things to you. I want you to read scripture and see what God has promised. Chapter 3, verse 1, look at it, look at it, Colossians. As a result, here's a benefit we forget about. These are the benefits on the ground right now for us. Look in verse 3. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, raised with Christ, we get this, right? Raised with Christ. You got the resurrected Savior. He's in your life. Raised with Christ. The benefits of the resurrection, raised with Christ. Seek those things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. How does change happen? 
not just by saying no to sin, but always still saying yes to God. How does change happen? We've got to be living in the heavenlies. We've got to seek those things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things. What does it say in verse 2? Where? And we can do that because Jesus is? Because where is Jesus alive at? Yeah, at the right hand of the Father. Standing at the right hand of the Father. He's there interceding for us. Not on things on the earth. Notice our minds most of the time are on things of the earth. Oh, that's not wrong to think about things of the earth. I've got to go to work. I've got to pay bills. I've got to take care of responsibilities. But those things don't have our affections. Those things don't have us. Those things are a part of glorifying God, but those things aren't the point of all of life. It's looking towards the Savior. This is the resurrected life. So keep looking at verse 3. For you died, and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. You are dead to sin. You are alive to God. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, our life, is manifested, then you will also be manifest with him in glory. So he just says, your life is hidden in God. Put your mind on heavenly things. Put your mind on resurrected things. This is where it belongs. Oh, and by the way, let's look at the common repercussions of that. Let's look at the benefits of that. Just on the ground. Verse 5. Therefore, therefore, in light of the resurrection, in light of putting our, all of our desire and mind on heavenly things, looking at things from God's perspective, being renewed by the word and spirit in God's people, look in verse 5. Therefore, Consider the members of your earthly body as what? Dead. As what? Dead to sexual immorality. That's any kind of sex outside the covenant of marriage. Impurity. That's basically sexual immorality turning it up to the next level. Passion. That's where there's nothing but, it, but sinful, lustful desire. Evil desire. And greed, which is idolatry. All these things... We can put to death, we can kill, we can strangle, we can cut the throat of because of the resurrection. I think sometimes we forget just how powerful we are. Not because of how great we are, because of how great he is. I think sometimes we forget that, that sin actually does not have power over us because of the resurrection. It actually doesn't. It's a toothless monster. Verse 6 on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also, what does it say? You once walked. That means this is really not a part of normal living for you anymore. If the resurrection is in you, if you believe Jesus is alive, you once walked when you were living in them. The most abnormal thing a Christian can do is give their lives over to sin and Satan. Now, keep looking at it. Look at verse 8. But now you also lay aside, lay them all aside. So he says, therefore, put to death the sexual morality and the greed and the evil desire and the idols. Put off those. But man, put off also the mouth. I will tell you this. It's so easy to, well, it's not easy, but it can't. It, sometimes some of those other red flag sins, those are easier to put off than running your mouth. Amen or oh me. Man, it's like, oh, Jesus, I love you. But I cuss a little, right? I mean, like, that's the kind of thing that people think sometimes. How do I get control of my mouth? I saw that on a shirt one time. I thought about getting it, but I don't know if people could take it. <laughs> he says right here in verse 8, But now you also lay them aside, wrath, 
That's that explosive anger. Anger. The Greek has this idea of something that's smoldering. It's that icy cold kind of anger. Malice, intent to do harm. Slander, you accuse a person's character. Abusive speech, where you're trying to hurt people with your words. You ever yell at people? You ever get in people's face, yell at them until they agree with you or you think they're going to agree with you? That actually is dead. A benefit of the resurrection is we can, we can put a stranglehold on that. That can die to us. I, I want to tell you, one of the best ways to, to judge and evaluate, do I believe in the resurrection? Do I really believe in it? Just take an inventory of what we say in our common day. And, and I would say this, I'm not talking about your coworkers. I'm not talking with your friends at school. Because uh, we are kind of nice to those people because it's kind of improper. But it's really those who really dwell in the, the four walls of your house. Those who your or your family. Those who are your close friends. How do you actually, how do we actually talk to them? Well, the resurrection actually tells us that we can actually put to death all this kind of sinful form of communication. Look at verse 9. Do not lie to one another, since you have put, what, off the old man with its evil practices. We don't even lie to each other. We lie a lot. We really do. You're like, man, I don't lie that much, really. How many times have you been late for something, and you know you're 20 minutes late, but you tell the person, oh, I'm just five minutes away. Verse 10. And having put on the new man, which is being, what does it say? Renewed. Renewed. So here's the coolest thing to ever tell you. Put off the unrighteous, put on the righteous, and I leave it there. That would be so cruel. But here's what I can tell you. Put off the unrighteous thoughts and desires. Put on the righteous thoughts and desires because you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind through the word and spirit. That's what God has promised us. And the resurrection has empowered us to take off those grave clothes, to put on those grace clothes, and to, be, and to do this because we are being renewed by the Spirit and Word. Keep reading in verse 10. Put on the new man who's being renewed to the full knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, living as, a, living as an image bearer. This is, this is the benefits. Now keep going down. Go to verse 12. Not only putting off, but now look at the put on. So as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion. Not just put on compassion, but where does compassion start at? At the heart, on the inside, right? This is the resurrection is changing us from the inside out. Kindness. By the way, people think kindness is only kind. People say, well, I'll be kind to this person if they'll be kind to me. That's not how kindness works. That's easy to be kind. What about kindness when someone's unkind to you? Humility. That's where it's not about your needs. It's about putting others before yourself. Gentleness and patience. Patience is not a cuss word. Verse 13, bearing with one another. Do we ever say to ourselves this idea of, I don't know if I can take them anymore. I do, I do not have enough grace for these people today. Bearing with one another. Do we forget the benefits if you are raised with Christ in verse 1? And graciously forgiving each other. The standard of forgiveness is not someone else's repentance. The standard of forgiveness is the work of the cross and the resurrection power lets us do that. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. 
Not living under the benefits of the resurrection is a person who says, I can't forgive them for what they do. I never could. A person who's living underneath the banner of the resurrection says, I can because I've been forgiven of so much more. Keep reading. And above all these things, verse 14, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. I would tell you in verse 15, if you want help with worry and anxiety, here you go. Part of the resurrection benefits is that we can actually, we can actually die. We can put off anxiousness and put on trust, the spirit of peace. It says in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Admonishing is warning. Teaching is instructing. you got to be in environments. You know, most people don't get any of this, don't know the benefits because they're not in a position where they can ever be reminded of their benefits, to be honest with you. You know, I told you earlier I had no idea I had accrued all these benefits from Verizon. You know how I finally realized it? Because I was talking to a Verizon representative and they told me. I think a lot of people don't realize their benefits because they're actually not in any kind of environment to get that. They, they, they may darken the door of a church a couple times a year. They, they may get in a small group or discipleship group or some kind of where people where they can know and be known and people can speak into the world. But you're missing out on the benefits. He says, teaching and admonishing in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grateful hearts to the Lord. How much, have, how much do we sing? This is a resurrection idea. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Look at all these benefits we get. Look at all these things we get. And I, I do believe this. We, I believe we forget these benefits as a part of the resurrection. This is the package deal. A inside transformation that leads its way outside. It's, it's, an, it's amazing. The gospel will revolutionize everything in life. It... it and it has nothing to do with this idea of, well, that's just not my personality to be patient. I would say, no, actually, if Christ is in you, Christ is what's normal. Your personality is Christ. The most normal thing is Jesus. The most normal thing, as I said, to put off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. Now, I want to end with a couple things just to show you. By the way, look at what God does on the inside, all right? Look at what God does in a person's life, and then it makes its way to the outside, all right? Keep looking. Look at verse 18. It starts to lay out the order of the home. Wives, be subject to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. So a wife starts to trust the Lord and she follows the leadership of her home. A husband, verse 18, love your wives. Do not be embittered against them. He takes the position of being a shepherd leader in his home. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is pleasing in the Lord. Children start to, I mean, children start to obey. This is what a change on the inside starts to do. Like it's, this is what it does. It even transformed the innermost sanctuary. Fathers, do not exacerbate, uh, exasperate your children so they will not lose heart. Fathers, don't provoke their children to anger and their discipline. It, it revolutionizes everything. So the resurrection benefits. Look what it does in transforming the inside to the outside from your speech to the things you think to forgiveness, to graciousness, to how you sing and meditate on Christ. But it changes how the things work out in the four walls of our homes. It also changes how we go to work. Verse 22. Slaves in all things obey those who are masters according to the flesh, and not with eye service as men pleasers, but with integrity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now, 
I know he's talking about slavery more and more specifically what's called bond slavery. It, it, at times in, the, in this world, it was sometimes a form of indentured servitude. But the thing he tells them, I want you to notice, is don't do this as to pleasing the master. Do this as pleasing to the Lord what you do. Look in verse 23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as to the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you can receive the reward of inheritance serving the Lord I know, I know it's this. Most people get up on Monday and we go to work, right? And we go to work. A lot of times, who are we trying to please at work? A boss. We're hoping someone would see what we've done. We're hoping to get some recognition. But you know what the resurrection does? It changes it. The resurrection benefits says, actually, I don't go to work for myself anymore. Tomorrow morning when I wake up my kids, when I go to work, when I do the things that God has given me in my hands, I actually do all these things as unto the Lord to please him. I'm not here to fear men. I'm here to fear God. The benefits of the resurrection on the, I mean, we're missing this sometimes. We think the resurrection is just only a glorified body and I get salvation right now. It's that, but it's so much more. It's for right now. It transforms the home. It transformed how you'll go about your week from, from Monday through Saturday. And not only that, it says, if you're, if you're the one who owns the business, possibly. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, show to your slaves what's right and fair, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. If you happen to be the person that maybe owns the business, right? And this is kind of an application here. You'd be the one that, even the way you act towards those that you oversee, would be in a way that is resurrection-inspired. The resurrection has all sorts of, of, of consequences in our life. It changes things. Not only that, but look at, go down to verse 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, redeeming the time. Let your words be always with grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you should answer each person. The resurrection power, what does it do? It transforms you to be a gospel witness. So not only is there this. People forget the benefits of the resurrection. I'm telling you, they think it's just, I get heaven, I get out of hell, I get forgiveness of my sins. Bing, that's it. No! We get so many things right now. Even this. The next time God gives us an opportunity to declare the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, when we shy away from that, it's not because we're ultimately fearful about what they'll say. It's because we don't really realize the true benefits of the resurrection. God has so transformed us and authorized us and commissioned us because of the living Lord and the Holy Spirit in us to spread the good news to the ends of the earth. It's the benefits of the resurrection we forget. Now I'll be done with this, and we'll take communion, and we'll sing to the Lord, and we'll have our time of having a time with your family the rest of the day. Everybody look down at verse 7 through 18. Does everybody see verse 7 through 18? You see 7 through 18, right, as he ends this letter? If you were to read, as we read this, I want you to notice how much community Paul has. He's in prison. He talks about a lot of people that are ministering to him in prison, and then he says, this letter that I wrote, why don't you read it to the churches, right? Look at it with me real quick. I'm just going to read through this so you have an idea. He says this. Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow slave in the Lord, will make known to you all my affairs. He's going to send Tychicus. Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances, that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, one Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one with you, who will inform you about the whole situation. I just want to ask you this. Did Paul live a very alone life, or did he have lots of people with him? Lots of people with him. Lots of people with him, encouraging him. 
ministering to him. Lots of gospel community. What has the resurrection given us? It's given us gospel community. Look, look, at, look at how many people's names he's calling out, saying these have been a, a minister to me, a ministry to me. Notice how much community is going on. I would submit to you this. The Lord has been doing something in my life for some time. I am more convinced than ever one of the greatest dangers for God's people is to forsake the assembling of the church body together week in, week out on a Sunday. And here's why. Because we're leaving off one of the benefits of the resurrection, right? Is that you get gospel community. Keep looking in the text. He says, Aristarchus, you need a name for your baby. There you go. Our fellow prisoner sends you his greetings. And also Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Verse 11, he says, And also Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be a comfort to me. Look at the gospel community he has as a result of the resurrection. Epaphras, verse 12, who is one of your number, a slave of Jesus Christ, sends you greeting, always striving for you in his, in his prayers that you stand complete and fully assured. Look how much community there is here. Paul Paul was a great man because of the resurrection of the resurrected Lord, but also he has gospel community. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you. He says, verse 14, Luke, the beloved Christian, sends you his greetings. Greet the brothers who are in Laodicea. Now look in verse 16. And when this letter is read, what? Is read what? Have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. Notice this deal. Take this letter, read it to the church. For church to happen, what has to happen? People got to come and assemble. They got to come together. They got to form gospel community. So I want you to notice in chapter th 3 and 4 of Colossians, this idea. We think the resurrection, all we do is just think about the glorified body and the forgiveness of our sins right now. Yes and amen. But also, don't forget these benefits here on the ground, the boots on the ground that God has given us. There is, there is a transformed life that God is offering as a result of his resurrection. My prayer for us is that we'll start to grip onto it. What would that look like in our life? It would do this. Make a dedication today that you'll gather with God's people. Make a dedication today that, that, that we'll look at the deceitful sins of our life and start looking to his word and spirit and to start seeing the, the transformation. Start realizing that the sin that we think we can't have power over is a toothless monster. And that God, and that there's more than just a putting off that God wants, that God wants to transform by putting on. That God has empowered us for this. That the Holy Spirit that lives in you, Jesus said, It's better that I go away, because if I go away, what will He give us? The Holy Spirit in you. That is not, the Holy Spirit is not that uncle that you don't want to come to the Christmas party. Holy Spirit is God living in you. It's a transformation. I hope God's people will tap into the fullness of what the resurrection has promised in our living. Would you do this? Would you stand to your feet? Worship team, you can come. And I want to do two things. Um, while we sing this final song, we're going to pass out communion. Um, if you're new to this, the communion bread and 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 wine are all together in one kind of two cups stacked on top of each other. So know that when we start to do that. But would you let me pray over this time? I'll come up at the end of the song. We'll take communion. But also I want to pray if you're here. And, and I've talked about all these benefits of the resurrection. And maybe you're kind of like, man, I, 
I'm still back at point one, Nick. Jesus isn't my Lord. Let me pray for you this morning. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me? Father, I remember being 16 years old coming. I remember being 14, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. I remember mom coming home with a fresh set of new clothes for that one time a year. And I remember hearing this message. If there's someone today that has never trusted you as Lord and Savior, has never confessed their sin, right now would they do it? When I was 16 years old, here's what the prayer kind of sounded like when I was praying to the Lord. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've broken your law. I've broken your commandments. I've rebelled against you. Thank you that you sent Jesus to be my substitute. I trust that, that, you, that you accepted his sacrifice. Thank you for raising from the dead. Be my Lord. Be my King. Let me live for you. Let my life be dedicated to you from here on out. I trust you. I lean on you. And that was the prayer with our heads bowed, eyes closed. That was kind of what my prayer was like. It wasn't fanciful. It wasn't fancy. It was just an admitting of the gospel truths. If you've done that today... Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to tell someone who knows Jesus. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to go public with it. There's no such thing as private discipleship. This is a public thing. The resurrection wasn't private. It was definitely public. Faith in Christ is a public thing. Let me pray for us. Pray for as we take communion. Father, we, as your people, need this communion as we pass it. I I need it. As I take the body and I take the blood, I'm reminding myself of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. I'm reminding myself, and I need this reminder. I need the reminder of the full benefits of the resurrection. Let me live in it. Let me practice it. Let my household be able to see it. Let those that I'm walking in community with be able to know it. It may it even be transformed from the inside where my, your desires are my desires. Bless this time, and God's people said, amen. Let's sing together, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper.